Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. Listen, I don't know why in the world people think that they can improve on what God created. Listen, when he made it, he made it right. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about these people that think they can improve or change or modifications to the kingdom and God's purpose and God's way of doing things. Uh Uh-uh. Don't work that way. Oh, yeah. Let me just tell you. Let me just, just jump right in there. If you hadn't already hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do that. Give me a thumbs up. Man, that helps us big time. You have no idea how big, big that is in the body of Christ. And if you notice, uh-oh, wait a minute. What's this? This is what you call bloopers. Boom, boom, boom. What you see? See, see, look, I'm trying to be real with y'all. Look what I just did for you. I let y'all on the inside of how things work. See, y'all thought I was in this big foam padded studio behind me, but... I'm in the green screen. Let me show you what it looks like without that. Hello. 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 So that's two different cameras, y'all. I got two different cameras now. Look at here. I'm switching back into I'm fancy. I done went and got bougie, y'all. All right, listen. I'm just having fun here. Let's get into this thing. You know, these people that they blow my mind, they they want to tell you that they have evolved and they have figured out a way uh to make God's way better. But can I tell you something about God? God doesn't make mistakes. We all know that. That's a little catchphrase thing that we say all the time. God don't make mistakes. God don't make mistakes. We know God don't make mistakes. Here's the reality, though. If we really know that God don't make mistakes, then why is it that we keep thinking that we can improve on what God started? Oh, we've somehow evolved into, well, you know, this is this is a better way. This is a better way of reaching uh, this society. Uh, this is a better way of reaching this culture. But the truth is, I'm going to just tell you the truth. The truth is God never starts something and hopes that one day we will improve on it or he will improve on it. In fact, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to tell you this, that God never improves and never evolves on anything. He's never improved on anything he's ever done. Why would he? Because if there's room for improvement, it wasn't made right to begin with. Now, look, man has messed up time and time and time again what God created perfect. You know, you think about the Garden of Eden, you think about Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and everything that happened before that stinking serpent in that tree, uh, it was perfect. You know, think about this. I mean, it's really big deal when you when you look at the the words that were used. Every day of creation, God said, and you know, this happened, this happened, this day happened, this happened. It was it was good. It was good. It was good. Then God made man and said, it was very good. Okay, not just good, but very good. And uh that's big time. So so that meant that meant I got this thing right. It's right. This is the way I want it. This is the intention that I had. But man just just let some stuff mess up. And it's just like we always do. We messed it up. So you know, we are constantly trying to become better. We, or we should be. We are. We are always trying to. Let me put. It, let me back up and say it this way. We 
are mandated by God to pursue holiness. Holiness is the standard of God. We can't do that on our own. So we, so that's the standard that it began at. That's the standard. That's the perfection. God's beginning of everything he ever made was the way he wanted to make it. Now, we have messed it up. We go down. We go up a little bit. We go down. We go up a little bit. We go down. And that's just the way man has always messed things up. So what we're always trying to do is we're always trying to uh, get back to the standard. So I want to tell you, I want to just share my heart on some things here. I see this happening over and over, and if you'll really look at it, you'll see it happening over and over again in the local church, in the body of Christ, in the global church. We are constantly thinking, in order for us to reach our culture and reach our world that we live in, we've got to change some things. We've got to modify some things. Listen, I say all the time, and I'm emphatic in my belief of this, is that there's nothing wrong with you changing your delivery method of the message as long as you don't change the message. You know, you think back to your favorite song, if you're you're my age or older, and I'm <clears throat> 50, <clears throat> in my 50s, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yes, if you're in your 50s or older, 40s or older, then then you remember the days when people actually used to have to play records. You know, you might have first heard your favorite song on a 33 record. Then you might have heard the same song, exact same song, exact same recording on a, what they call a 45. Then you might have heard it on an 8-track. Then you might have heard the same exact recording on a cassette tape. Then you might have heard the same exact recording on a CD. Then you may have heard the same exact recording on an MP3. Now you can go to one of the um, streaming services Find that same exact song that you originally heard on a 33 when you was just a little boy or girl, and you can stream it instantly on your phone. Watch this. Different delivery methods, more advanced delivery methods, make sense to deliver those methods in the times that we live in. People don't carry a record player around with them. Nobody's just about nobody. I'm sure there's somebody driving around there with an 8-track player in the car, but most people don't have an 8-track player in the car. Uh, you know, some people still have a cassette player in their car, but most people don't even use that anymore. So, you know, if you want to put something out to this generation and reach the masses, you don't mass produce it on a record. You don't mass produce it on a cassette tape. You put it online. You use the delivery method that is uh, that makes sense for this generation. But here's the key, and the most important part of all of it is the message is still the same. The song is still the same. The recording is still the same. Many of those people that you listen to of those old-time records that are now streaming are not even with us anymore. They're dead and gone. But the original recordings has been mastered and remastered and redistributed in a different delivery method. So you have lights. You have um, you have smoke machines in your church. You have screens you have uh, comfortable chairs. You have all these kind of things are cool and relevant and awesome, and nothing is wrong with them as long as we have not compromised the message of God. In an attempt to think that by us compromising the message of God, we have somehow we're somehow going to help God do it better than what He originally wanted us to do, and that ain't the way God works. God starts off the right way, and we are to hold that same standard. Okay, and and that that's the truth with the church. You know, you think about the church. Where was the church started? Where did the church begin? The church began in in Acts chapter two, uh, what we call Holy Ghost headquarters. But the reality is this: 
he began it in a very specific way. And God is very intentional. Listen to me, big picture uh, followers, whether you listen to us on podcasts or on YouTube, uh, we appreciate it very much. But I'm, but I'm, y'all are big picture people. So, so you're, you're always, you're trying to see what the Word of God says and what is, what is God really trying to say in this time. Well, God is very intentional. He's very, very intentional in what He does and what He says. He did not put any word in Scripture that is just happened to be in there that had no huge meaning. Everything meant something. Everything was trying to teach us something, okay? Everything was in there on purpose. God started the church in a specific way, a very specific way. And and look, I understand that we're in the the generation that we're in. We're not living in Bible times. We're not living in Jerusalem. You may be watching this living in Jerusalem around the world. How cool is technology? But there are some things about that original church that I think that we have thought that we have evolved on and we no longer need. But these are integral, in very integral, very important parts of the beginning of the church that do not need anyone's improvement on. The first thing I want to tell you is that when Jesus had come back from the dead, you know the story, of course you do, he died on the cross, and three days later he came back from the dead, but that wasn't the end of the story. He didn't immediately leave here. The Bible tells us that for 40 days he walked around uh, in a glorified body. And the Bible says, and I'm going to read this to you from Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 3. Listen to this. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, do and teach, do and teach, do and teach. There's one example that God set for us that we don't need to forget, that Jesus, even after he was in resurrected form, he was continuing, come on, are y'all listening to me, to do and teach. What was he doing and what was he teaching about? Watch this. Until the day that he was taken up, after through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen— to whom he had presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen during uh, by them during 40 days and speaking things concerning the kingdom. Can I tell you something? That, it, that one of the most important things that you need to realize about Jesus is that even in resurrected form, even after he done died on the cross and come back from the dead, he was still teaching the kingdom, still teaching the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the most important teaching that Jesus taught. Now, of course, he said you must be born again. He only said that one time to Nicodemus. But how many times? I mean, my goodness. It's all he talked about was the kingdom. But you must be born again so that you could be a part of the kingdom. So the kingdom was very, very important to him. So that's one thing that we need to never stop teaching, and we don't need to think that we've evolved, and somehow we don't need to talk about authority and dominion. That was a part of it. But he taught, and he, and he did. He taught and he did. He said, these things shall you do and greater shall you do. Follow me. Follow my example. I'm teaching and I'm doing. I'm teaching and I'm doing. And what's, what's really sad is, is that the modern-day church has become very, very eloquent and good at teaching. And sometimes I think we teach ourselves right out of sound doctrine because we, we love to hear ourselves talk and we love to be so proud of all our revelations that we get and all this. But we, we know how to teach, but very few are doing, okay? There's, there's, there's a teaching part of the kingdom, and there's a doing part of the kingdom. 
You can teach that God still heals, but God said you're supposed to lay your hands upon the sick to see them recover. Okay, You can teach that you have authority over demons, but the doing part is, in Jesus' name, I command you to come out. You cast devils out. Okay, You can believe in the harvest. You can cry out for harvest. You can have prayer meetings for harvest. You can teach and teach and teach on harvest. But if you ain't going out and telling people about Jesus, do you really believe in the harvest? Are you really operating in the harvest? Okay, that ain't what I want to talk about today. I want to tell you that we have, in this whole thing that we just came out of, this two and a half years of world shutdown and lockdown that included the local house, has created this entire genre within the body of Christ who've now got this revelation, this revelation. They're stuck on a few scriptures, just like some of these people are stuck on the scripture. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. The Bible says you judge me just as bad as I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's the only scripture you know. Because you don't you don't want to read no other scripture. Because the other scripture, you know, maybe you don't want me to judge you, but if you read some more scripture beyond the don't judge me scripture, the scriptures will judge you. You'll know a tree by the fruit it bears. Come on, somebody. That's another sermon for another day. I'm on uh, y'all y'all can tell I'm just in one of them moods. But we've we we now locked down on this thing right here, this, this, this is what I love to hear people. I don't love it, but, but, I, but I hear it all the time. You know, I don't need to go to the church. I don't need to go to the church. I am the church. I am the church. Don't you listen to somebody tells you you got to go to church. You don't have to go to church. You are the church. Oh, I get it. I know it. I know it's Bible. I know that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I know that. But I also know this. I know that when Jesus was about to ascend and his feet was about to come off the ground in Acts chapter 1, and he showed himself for 40 days. In those 40 days, he gets on top of the mountain. He's talking to his disciples and a few hundred more, maybe even thousands more, thousands more, but at least 500 men plus women and children. <clears throat> he gets up there and he gives them the great command in Acts chapter 1, and he tells them uh, in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And then, of course, verse 8 goes on to say, And you'll be baptized with, you know, with the, uh, you'll be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll become witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But here's what I want you to see When were they? Where were, where were they when this happened? They were standing on top of the mountain. And on top of the mountain, outdoors, outdoor meeting, come on, mm -hmm, not inside a building, outdoor meeting, he says, do not leave Jerusalem until you shall receive this promise of the Father. It's very, first, first, first of all, I love the wording of this, being assembled together with them. So in other words, he was in an assembly. He was in a gathering. He made sure that this command came forth from a gathering. Now, before you say, well, bless God, yeah, but they wasn't in the temple. They wasn't in no church. They was outside. That's where I like to have church. I like to have church on the golf course. I like to have church on the lake. I get on my pontoon. I go out there, and me and the Lord, we, we have time together on Sunday mornings. No. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, you might say, Lord, bless my fishing today. That's about all you get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to lose some subscribers today. I can tell. But the assembly is very important to God. 
the assembly and the gathering is very important to God. He he said in Hebrews, don't forsake God, of course, anointed the writer of Hebrews. Do not forsake the assembling of, the, of yourselves together as the manner of some is. He's rebuking the ones that do forsake assembling even the more so as you see that day approaching. But so, so we see he's gathered with them. But, but something happens. If, if he just wanted them to just sort of hang out there, how'd they end up in a room? They was on a mountain. The Holy Ghost didn't fall a week later until they were in a room. So they, had, they understood what that meant. That, that did not mean stay out here in the open air. Go find you a place, gather together, stay there, stay there until you feel, until you know that the promise of the Father has come upon you. Now, they, now the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the church fell, listen to me, listen to me closely, they were all gathered together in one place, in one mind, in one accord. Mm-hmm. Now, the Holy Ghost fell in that place. Now, I'm going to show you something that's very powerful. The Bible lists a few people. You go back and read the book of Acts, chapters 1 and 2, and you will see that the Bible lists a few people's names that were in that upper room. Of course, the disciples, minus Judas, he had been replaced by Matthias. So the disciples were there. But you know who else was, you know who else was named that was in the upper room? may shock a lot of you people. Go back and read your own Bible, and you'll find that Mary, the mother of Jesus— was named as one of the 120. Now, if there was anybody, can I just tell, can I just make it plain? If there was anybody that had the right to stay at home, sip their coffee, is like what I like to say, sip their coffee and eat their uh, uh, little toast in the morning with their with their grape jelly on it, watching the stream, watching the live stream of the upper room. It was the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was she was said by the uh, the angel to be blessed among women. The Messiah came forth from her womb, but yet she was not going to miss the gathering. Mm-mm. She was not going to miss the place where it was going to fall. It didn't just fall in Jerusalem. It fell in the place where they were gathered together in one place, in one mind, in one accord. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going? I think you do. You might not like where I'm going, but you see where I'm going. How did we get to the place that we were so pious and so full of ourselves that we thought that, mm-hmm, okay, I see how it started. I see how you started it, God, because you didn't have the option of streaming. You didn't have YouTube. You didn't have Facebook Live. You didn't have uh, all these other places where we could stream. If you'd have had that, Lord, oh, man, you, you, you wouldn't have wanted us to be involved in all that uh, governmental structure and all that authority and all those egos that are there in, in that gathering and all these people that are so full of themselves and all these hypocrites and all the blah, blah, blah. You would have just let us stay at home and be able to just hang out with the people that we really feel comfortable around. And we could have streamed it and got the same Holy Ghost in our kitchen. I know you're mad at me. Come on. Come on. Come on at me. Come on at me. I'm not scared, y'all, because I'm preaching the word of God. They were in one mind and one accord. They were in a gathering, 
and the Holy Ghost fell in that gathering. Okay? It didn't fall outside of that gathering. didn't fall out in the streets. In fact, the people in the streets had no idea what was even happening. They were confused. They thought they were drunk. But, the, but Peter stood up and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. These men and women are not drunk as you suppose. Because this is very early in the morning. So for six hours, six hours, they, they were in the Holy Ghost in that upper room. The Bible tells us six hours later, they came out of the upper room. How did, they, how did they come out? They came out equipped. They came out knowing who they were in God. They came out with a boldness. They came out with a world-changing mandate. And you know where they went? I don't know where all of them went. But they probably went the same place as Peter because Peter was the leader. They probably followed Peter. You know where Peter went? Peter went to the temple. He came out of the house, and he went to the temple, the upper room to the temple. Because that's where we see in Acts chapter 3 where he meets the man that's lame at the gate called Beautiful, shaking a cup, trying to get some money, begging for help. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the man gets up. He gets up leaping and dancing, shouting as he goes into the, house, into the temple of God. Thousands were saved because of that testimony. So I know what the Word of God says. The Word of God says they broke bread, they met in houses daily, but it also says they went to the temple. And I'm telling you, some of y'all think, well, why in the world do you continue to always harp, harp, harp on the gathering? Because it's very important to God. And we don't have the right to improve on God's idea. So remember what the writer in Hebrews said. Don't stop gathering like somehow, even the more so as you see that day approaching. If there's ever been a generation that we know the day is approaching, it is now. Are you hearing me? It is now. We are in it. We are in it right now, y'all. We are in that generation that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ. Okay? If you don't believe that, then you don't, you're not been, you're not been reading the Bible. How in the world do we think, and why in the world would we even begin to think that the closer we get to the return of the Lord, knowing good and well what the Word of God says about how bad it's going to get. I mean, you think it's bad now? It ain't nothing compared to what it's about to be how bad it's about to get, and we don't need each other in the house of God, we think we're good enough with playing our streaming music in the background, sipping our coffee, hanging out with our best friends that's the same ones that we hang out with all the time every Sunday and have a Bible study with and feel good about ourselves that we're feeding each other the same, the same group every week, feeding each other all the time. Listen, when you come to the house of God, that's when you're equipped. You cannot experience what happens in the gathering. You can't improve on that. Now, can we improve, improve the gathering? Can we improve what the church's reputation is? Can we improve the integrity of the house of God? Of course we can, and of course we need to. The integrity of the house of God is not in a good place right now. But you want to run away from it? You want to just abandon it and say there's no hope for it? Not me. Not me. I want to close by reminding you of one story from the Old Testament. You know, David was a praiser. 
David was a man after God's own heart. And there was a time when the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away, which represented the glory of God. Not just represented, that's where the glory of God would reside. But in New Testament terms, you would just sort of look at that as representing the anointing of, of the house. It had been taken away from the people of God. Well, David went back and got it. And he starts bringing it back. And it was so powerful. The story says it was so powerful that every six steps, it takes six steps and stop and praise God. That took a long time to get back, y'all. But by the time he got back, the Bible says when he was just about to go up into his uh, kingly quarters, because he was the king of Israel at that time, uh, he just he just he started dancing a jig, y'all, for Jesus. I mean, he just started cutting the rug, y'all. He he was just the Bible said he danced before the Lord with all his might. When he got back to to his to his apartment or his uh, big room at the top there where he lived, there met his wife. His wife came to him. His wife said, listen to what she said. Oh, I saw you out the window today. I saw you making a fool of yourself. I saw you embarrassing our family. We don't need all that. We don't, we don't act like that anymore. Maybe you act like that when you was in the fields taking care of sheep, but you're a king now. We don't act like that. Now, you, you may know the story. The rest of the story is so powerful. David says, let me tell you something. This is in your Bible. You think you saw something today. You ain't seen nothing yet. I am not ashamed of what I did, and I'm about to do some more. Now, what was the dynamic difference there? Listen to me, and I'm going to close this podcast and close this broadcast. The, different was, the difference was the perspective and the place where the individuals were. David, even though he was a king, he was among the people. He was among the sheep. And he was with the Ark of the Covenant. He was where God was moving and speaking. And he was overcome. And he was ignited with fire. And he couldn't help himself. He had to praise the Lord. Because it wasn't just him. He wasn't going to be just dancing by himself. You think, you think the people of Israel saw the king dancing like that and they didn't dance as well? I mean, it was, it was, it was Holy Ghost, man. But what was different about him and her? Listen to me. She was watching through a window. I could say it this way in modern times. She was watching the whole service through a screen. See, she saw everything that was going on. Are you getting where I'm going? But she couldn't really perceive it, and it couldn't really affect her the way it would have affected her if she would have been in the gathering. See, I don't believe for a minute that if she was standing right next to David in the midst of the anointing that was all around that ark, that she would have still just not got it. She would have got it. She would have understood. But when you've separated yourself from the gathering and think that it's just as good for you to be at home, looking through a window, watching people respond to the glory of God, that that's enough, it ain't enough. And ladies and gentlemen, it'll never be enough. It will never be enough. We can't improve on what God created to begin with. If anything, we're on a pursuit to try to get back 
to the way he started it. One mind, one accord, one place. Fire falling on top of our heads. Lives being changed. Pushing us back out of the church and into the marketplace. And raising the dead, lift, getting the lame to walk, getting people saved. That is the plan of God. If you had not hit the subscribe button yet and you made it to this point, come on. This broadcast is a blessing to you or either that or you just so mad at me you want to wait to the end to see what I would say. Either way, you made it to the end. You might as well help us out and hit that subscribe button. And boom, hit that, smash that. I like what some of them YouTube people say. Smash that, smash that. Thumbs up button. Because that helps us tremendously. We'll see you next time on The Big Picture. And remember, you can't improve on what God has already done. We just need to meet his standard. We're not woke, but we are certainly awake. See you next time on The Big Picture. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.